1: Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com.
2: We're going to be taking a look at two different sections of Scripture this morning as we talk about showing hospitality to others. There are going to be two sections of what it is that we're talking about. The first one is going to be from 3rd John. The second one is going to be from Hebrews chapter 13. Today we're going to be taking a look at hospitality again. We're going to be seeing the ways that Scripture talks about specific ways. Specific ways that we can show hospitality. And so let's take a look at our two passages. The first one, 3 John, I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 of 3rd John. Now 3rd John only has one chapter. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it's a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for those brothers, strangers as they are who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers And also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. This is the first section of scripture we're going to be taking a look at. The second section of scripture is Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Let me read this section of scripture for us as well. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. The scriptures talk a great deal about hospitality from the book of Genesis to the very end, the book of Revelation. And so there was a lot for us to choose from. I wanted to try to drill down into two different sections of scripture to talk about two specific ways that we as Christians and that we as a congregation can show hospitality to other people. And here in Scripture, we see these two sections, 3 John and Hebrews 13, and so I want to pick up on what it is that each one of these passages says. Uh, The book of 3 John tells us about showing hospitality through joining with and supporting those engaged in mission and missionary work. And Hebrews 13 tells us about how we can show hospitality through opening our homes to those that we don't yet know. These are the two major ways that these sections of Scripture tell us about hospitality, and that's what we're going to be talking about. And so first, from 3 John, showing hospitality specifically to those who are engaged in gospel ministry work, who are serving and functioning as missionaries. Let's take a look at the text. Do you notice the way that John speaks about hospitality? He talks about this person in the church, Diotrephes. He likes to put himself first. He doesn't acknowledge the authority of the Apostle Paul who had received a commission from God to preach the gospel. He loves to be first. He loves himself. He opposes Paul. He opposes the gospel. This is a wicked and evil person. His wicked nonsense is what fills up his speech and he's confusing the church. He's dividing the church. He's sowing discord and division in the church. And this is evidenced, his evil and wickedness is evidenced by the fact that he won't welcome the brothers of that church into his home. And not only is he somebody who himself refuses to show hospitality, who refuses to welcome those who are engaged in gospel mission, he's putting out of the church people who are engaged in welcoming and enfolding. he's putting out of the church people who seek to welcome and show hospitality. He's refusing to himself show hospitality and welcome, he's driving out and driving away people who are showing hospitality and welcome, and this is a problem. And it's described in 3 John as evil. One of the workings of evil is a refusal to show hospitality. A refusal to welcome brothers and sisters that come into our midst. Conversely, on the other hand, those who are faithful within this church are those who are welcoming and supporting of the brothers and the sisters. Those who are welcoming of those who have been called to go out and spread spread the news of the Lord Jesus Christ specifically those who are called to serve the name of Jesus and to tell other people about Jesus who don't yet know about him, this congregation, the ones that are praised by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, are those that have decided that they will show love to those who are taking the gospel out to those who don't yet know the Lord Jesus. This is something that is praiseworthy. This is something that is good. Something that leads to Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, rejoicing. specific members of this congregation who show welcome and hospitality specifically for those who go out for the name of Jesus. So how, therefore, should we, living in 2020 in Orland Park, how should we seek to support or how should we seek to show hospitality? Well, by showing hospitality towards those who labor for the gospel. By showing hospitality towards those who labor for the gospel. And the language here in Greek is very strong. In verse 8 of 3 John, we're told, therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. We ought to support people like these that we might be fellow workers for the truth. That's the way that the English translation comes across. The Greek language is a little bit stronger. It says, we owe hospitality towards those who labor for the gospel. We owe support to them. That's strong language, language of debt. We have a debt of hospitality and love towards those who work in service of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you notice what the end of verse eight says? It says that we owe them hospitality for a purpose so that we may be fellow workers for the truth in verse eight. It may be that God is calling you to the mission field. It may be that God is calling you to be a missionary. It may be that even as you're hearing me talk about it right now, you feel like there's something inside your heart that says, that might be for me. It might be for me to go somewhere in the United States, somewhere abroad, to some group of people that needs to hear about Jesus and tell them about Jesus. It may be that God is calling you to that task. I recently was speaking to a couple of missionaries. They were serving in a country that is becoming ever more opposed to the gospel. They were there with a missions agency specifically to work among a minority population in that particular country. The government found out what it was that they were doing. One of my friends that I went to school with was detained by the government. He was separated from his wife and his child. They questioned him and then they forced him out of the country along with all of the missionaries that were there serving. Something happened. They were all found out. They were kicked out of the country. It was discouraging that this work had come to an end. And when these missionaries were talking to me, they said, we had gone there intending to die there. We had gone there knowing that it takes a lot to learn the language. It takes a lot to learn the culture. It takes a lot to build credibility. And so when we went... We went together knowing that our children would be born in this country, that we would serve in this country for our lives, that we would be buried in this country. It was isolating work, they said. It was so isolating because, again, they're in a a country that, for the language that they were just coming to understand and know. It was isolating because the culture was so distinct and different from what it was that they had known. It was isolating because they had a child with several different allergies and a a culture that, that didn't really, didn't really respect the fact that these allergies would cause the child to die, right? And so they kind of looked down on the special dietary restrictions that this kid had. They were part of a culture that didn't value uh, the life of children like like the United States does. And because it was so isolating, they talked about how important it was whenever they would receive a, a letter or a word of encouragement, whenever they'd come back. And people would ask to just take them for a cup of coffee or have them to their house or go out to dinner with them. These were the sorts of things that were used by God to continue to encourage them in their mission work. Is God calling you to that? To go to a place where the government does not officially recognize Christianity or allow evangelization to a foreign land away from family and familiarity? It may be. I pray that he raises up people from this congregation to be missionaries just as he has raised up people from this congregation to be missionaries across the globe. But we can all be missionaries, according to this text in 3 John. When we show hospitality to those who have gone out for the sake of the name of Jesus, we work together with them for the truth. When we, when we support those, when we show hospitality to those who have gone out for the sake of the gospel, we join with them in mission work. Verse 8 again, therefore we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. When you support, when you show hospitality, when you show love, and when you show care to those who are engaged in mission work, who have gone out for the name of Jesus, you partner with them in the task of sharing the gospel. You become a missionary Through hospitality.
1: Today's message on grounded and growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself, and we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible. To share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message.
2: I'm thankful for the fact that this is a church that values missionaries. I'm thankful that this is a part of the heartbeat of Orland Park CRC to want to support missionaries, to want to partner with them, to want to join with them. I'm so thankful for the large number of missionaries we support. It's wonderful. I love it. And I pray that that number of missionaries that we support continues to increase. It must. It must come out of our commitment to hospitality, to those who go out for the sake of the name. Let me give one aspirational example. When I was at Calvin Seminary, I spent a year there after my time at Westminster Seminary, and I joined the church planting club as a seminarian at Calvin Seminary. I admit that my motives were not initially pure. It was the one club that served dinner before every meeting. (laughs) And as a seminary student, alone, on my own, I loved the clubs that served dinner before the meetings. And so admittedly, when I first showed up, my motives weren't the most pure. I was excited for the pizza, and then I felt guilty enough to stay for the presentation, right? The pizza hooked me, but then I stayed because of what I experienced from the missionaries who would come and the church planters who would come and share about the work that God was accomplishing in them and through them. The one that has stuck with me the most was a Brazilian church planter who came to the seminary to talk about the work that he was doing in a major city in Brazil. What I did not know is that God has been moving powerfully by his spirit throughout Brazil and there has been an amazing advance of the gospel there and an astounding growth of the church in Brazil. The church planter who was meeting with us this particular evening at Calvin Seminary in the year 2012 was one who in 1990 had been commissioned to plant a church in a major city in Brazil. So between the years of 1990 and and 2012, he had been serving faithfully. This is not a terribly long period of time, but in this stretch of time, this church had planted 21 different congregations. They had been planted, and then within the 22 years of serving, they had planted 21 congregations. Now, we said not all of them had taken. Two of them had had failed. Not all of them had been even directly planted by this particular congregation. It was the case that some of the early churches that they had planted were now themselves in the task of planting churches. And so 21 churches, 19 that were still existing at this particular time, made up of daughter and granddaughter congregations of this one congregation that had been planted in a major city in Brazil. I loved hearing him talk about the gospel and how it was changing hearts and minds and lives in Brazil. I loved how he was confused by some of the questions that us American students were asking. One asked, hey, so for this to be effective, you probably have a great mission statement, right? And he looked confused and he said, you Americans get so caught up in mission statements. We tell people about Jesus. They believe in Jesus. I liked that. That is a mission statement, by the way, but it's, uh, you know, it's it's very simple. It's great. Somebody asked, well, how was it that you came to plant your church in this city in Brazil. And he talked about how he was a Brazilian native who had come to trust in Jesus and that there was a Presbyterian church in Florida, a PCA congregation in Florida that was devoted to planting churches all across the globe. They recognized that they were confined to a particular location, but that they had resources enough to seek to support church planting initiatives all across the globe. And so they had a whole center for church planting. And this congregation showed hospitality to this Brazilian They welcomed him in, and then they said, we would like to support the church planting efforts that you engage in in Brazil. We don't know Brazil. We don't know the language. We don't know the culture. You do, but you don't have the resources that that we do as a congregation in the United States. And so they funded the planting of this particular congregation, and it flourished in astounding and beautiful ways. And the beginning of it was Hospitality. And a member of that congregation was there with the church planter from Brazil. And he talked about how grateful he was that an American church stepped up and said, hey, we want to show hospitality to you. We want to show it by welcoming you and by supporting you. And because of that hospitality, the church of Jesus Christ was expanding and growing. One of the things that I would love, I'd really love if you would do along with me, is if you'd pray with me about this. You know, we're a church. We heard this morning, we've been richly blessed. We've been able to meet financial obligations for for decades. One of the things that I wonder, and I think it's worth us praying about, is this. Is God calling us to that same sort of work? To support missionaries and church planters in places where we might not know the language or culture, but we might have the resources to be able to plant or start a church. Would you pray with me about that? That's the first type of hospitality that is talked about here in, in, that I want to talk about from Scripture from 3 John here, verses 1 to 10. The second is from Hebrews 13. It, I read this at the beginning of the time together, so let me just read it again. It's a brief section of Scripture. Hebrews 13, 1 to 3. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. The command is really simple. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. But the potential reward is immense. It's saying, hey, some of those who have shown hospitality, without knowing it, have entertained angels. Would any of us, if given the opportunity to have an angel, a messenger from God in our home, would any of us forgo that opportunity? If we knew that an angel was in our midst, I'm sure that each one of us would want that angel to come home for dinner. I would have so many questions to ask. And what this passage says is, hey, it's been the case that, that unawares people have entertained angels simply through the act of hospitality. And I was almost certain that this is referring to the three visitors who appeared near Abram and Sarai's tent, the three that announced that Abram and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah would be having a son in their old age. Abraham and Sarah made a meal and sat with them. It wasn't grabbing some deli meat. It was slaughtering an animal and preparing it. It likely took many, many hours where these strangers were with them. And it turns out that these three were angels. And all of this speaks to us of the responsibility and the privilege and the gift of making use of our homes, of practicing hospitality by inviting people into our homes, and that it's even been the case that those who are given to this entertain angels. That's that's amazing and beautiful. And so the call is simple. Show, practice, hospitality by having people into your homes, into our homes. I think that Jen Wilkin offers some really helpful reflections on hospitality and about the fact that it involves opening your home, but it's different from just entertaining. I've got a long quote from Jen Wilkin that I'd like to read because I think that she really gets at the importance of hospitality and about how this is not simply entertaining. Here's what she says. Entertaining involves setting the perfect tablescape after an exhaustive search on Pinterest. It chooses a menu that will impress, and then it frets its way through each stage of preparation. It requires every throw pillow to be in place, every cobweb to be eradicated, every child to be neat and orderly. Let me just say that's an impossible task if you're hoping to entertain (laughs) It plans extra time to don the perfect outfit before the first guest touches the doorbell on the seasonally decorated doorstep. And should any element of the plan fall short, entertaining perceives the entire evening to have been tainted. Entertaining focuses attention on self. How's hospitality different? Well, hospitality involves setting a table that makes everyone feel comfortable. It chooses a menu that allows face time with guests instead of being chained to a stovetop. It picks up the house to make things pleasant, but it doesn't feel the need to conceal evidences of everyday life. It sometimes sits down to dinner with flour in its hair. It allows the gathering to be shaped by the quality of the conversations rather than the cuisine. Hospitality shows interest in the thoughts, feelings, pursuits, and preferences of its guests. It's good at asking questions and listening intently to answers. Hospitality focuses attention on others. Entertaining is always thinking about the next course. Hospitality burns the rolls because it was listening to a story. Entertaining obsesses over what went wrong. Hospitality savors what was shared. Entertaining, exhausted, says, it was nothing, really. Hospitality thinks, it was nothing, really. Entertaining seeks to impress. Hospitality seeks to bless. But the two practices can look so similar. Two people can, be, can set the same beautiful tablescape and serve the same gourmet meal, one with a motive to impress, the other with a motive to bless. How can we know the difference? Only the second would invite the poor or the crippled or the lame or the blind to pull up a chair and sip from the stemware. Our motives are revealed not just in how we set our tables, but in who we invite to join us at the feast. Entertaining invites all those who it will enjoy. Hospitality takes all comers. Hospitality involves opening up one's home with a focus and with the emphasis being on the other person, not on the self. It's distinct. It's different from entertaining. And I just want to admit to you all today that it's difficult. This is difficult there's a stand-up comedian who kind of illustrates the difference he he talks he has a bit called doorbell he talks about how 20 years ago when the doorbell rang he said all the children would run to the door because company had arrived he said your mom would keep an entenmann's coffee cake that was just for that time when company would show up he said no matter who it was you didn't look at who it was you just opened the door and he said your dad would be like look look who's here If the phone rang, he said, your dad would say, don't answer it, we have company. He says, today, if the doorbell rings, you shut off all the lights and you army crawl around to make sure that nobody knows that you're in the house. I don't know if you feel that, but it's it's difficult, it's challenging to have people in the home. It may be that you would rather turn off the lights and army crawl around so it doesn't feel like anybody's home, so that you don't need to open the door and be confronted by other people. But the reality is that hospitality has always been hard. It's always been difficult. Which is why 1 Peter 4 verse 9 is an astounding section of scripture. Let me read it to you. Offer hospitality, it says. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Because it means that the Holy Spirit of God, inspiring the book of 1 Peter, knows that when we receive this command, hey, open up your home, show hospitality to others, welcome people, pursue the love of others, the Holy Spirit knows that our response is going to be like, well, I'm that's always, that's always been the case in the time of the early church, this command to hospitality motivated some grumbling. Because Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, had to be like, all right, offer hospitality and don't grumble about it, guys, all right? Offer hospitality without grumbling. And so hospitality is hard. You know that Jesus has shown hospitable love to us, right? And and you feel, well, I I don't know, I don't know. Well, it means that you're just like the people that the Bible was writing to, the Bible was written to, right? Our tendency is to grumble about it, and yet the call is regardless of how we feel, pursue others with a genuine familial love. Real hospitality is life changing. I'm going to tell you a story I told you three years ago. A beautiful way that I saw this is I was 18 years old. I was a new student at Wheaton College. I went to Wheaton Christian Reformed Church my first Sunday that I was there. The service was, was a great service, but I mean, not particularly remarkable. It's, I, I don't recall or remember the service. I don't know if I would have been back if not for the fact that after the service, there was one woman in the congregation, and she said. You, I've never seen you before. And I was like, yeah, I'm a student. She's like, all right, uh, my husband is outside. Get in the car. You're coming for dinner. This was astounding. And so I, she was the sort of person that you didn't say no to. I learned then and for the years that would follow. And so I went into the family car. I, I rode to her home down the street, and we came into the house, and I found out that I was not the only person who had been commanded to come to this house on this particular Sunday. There were other people looking just as surprised as I who were inside the house by the time I'd arrived. Apparently every new student she had reached out to and said, no, you, my house. And so we all kind of looked around, they were extremely welcoming. They're like, here, sit around our table. And we said, uh, you know, we had a prayer before the service, and a little devotional before the service, and after the prayer, uh, Mary Seitzma, she just said, FHB. I didn't know what that meant until years later. I realized that meant family hold back. It meant we don't have quite enough food to feed everybody, and so family, you're going to have to wait until after everybody else leaves. We can eat then. This was hospitality, right? Family hold back. I cared very much about others, about me. And I stayed at Wheaton Christian Reformed Church because of the hospitality that I was shown that first morning. Please join me in welcome and hospitality. Please remember Christ shed his blood for you, that he rose for you to bring you near. He pursued you so that you can pursue others.
1: My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through his word, that we cultivate grateful hearts to him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you.
2: Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. This month we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reform Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com.